Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. In this episode, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Will Thorpe, the owner of High Cotton Barbecue in Kitty Hawk. And you may know Will's other restaurants. He started Tortugas Lie in Nags End, Milepost 16, and he also started Rundown Cafe at Milepost 1 in Kitty Hawk, right around the corner from where we are at right now. Our interview was in High Cotton during business hours, so you might notice a little bit of background noise. Uh, not a big deal. I think it adds a little character to the whole thing. And uh, I just want to say, if you don't know Will, he is an extreme class act on the Outer Banks. He gives back to the community. He's an icon of all the restaurant owners. I don't think there's anybody else on the Outer Banks that has the resume that he has on uh, in the restaurant business. He's done an, an amazing job, and he continues to give back to the community. After we had recorded this uh, sit-down, he thought of another story. I tried to put it at the beginning of this recording, but uh, my software just wouldn't let me, so I left it at the very end. So right after we kind of say our goodbyes, he he gives uh, one more story uh, for you to take home with you. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy the entire talk, so sit back and enjoy. So you used to have two restaurants. You had the, you had Tortugas Lie down in Ag's Head, and you had Rundown in Kitty Hawk. And you had some friends from out west, from Wyoming, maybe? Uh, South Dakota. South Dakota, pretty close. Yeah. The middle of nowhere. Yeah, very <laughs> so, much so. So they were visiting, and go ahead and tell me that story, please. I've been going out to South Dakota and had gotten to where I went from hunting to working cattle. And uh, I just enjoyed the serenity and the uh, openness and the people, the morals and the ethics of the, of the cowboys. Um, and they always wondered why I disappeared and would go sit and look at the river or I'd ride off on my horse by myself. And they were always curious why I was trying to be alone. Right. Yeah. So when they came to visit in the middle of summer, they came how did, how did that invite go? Like, just they wanted to see the ocean? Yeah, or? They, they have family here. Their, okay. da- their daughter lives okay, here. Okay, gotcha. And so they brought them up for dinner, and it happened to be a blues night at Rundown. And so um, it was packed, live music and and this was the old rundown, the, the original rundown. rundown. The original rundown, yes, that is correct. And um, so it's more people than they see living 45 miles from town on a dirt road. <laughs> and so um, I, I took uh, Kenny, who's a state legislator at the time, to Tortugas, and something was happening in volleyball and stuff. It was, he, he saw why I like to be alone <laughs> after a summer. Of the Got a experience. taste of the mayhem. He did see the mayhem. <laughs> Excellent. So how did you get into the restaurant business? I went to culinary school in Asheville and wanted to live at the beach. So I moved down here um, 1984. Mike Kelly hired me over the phone. We had a mutual friend named Tom Rhodes. Um, and uh, Mike gave me a job, and he couldn't understand why at a culinary school I wanted to move down here and fry fish. Right. <laughs> I, I just want to live at the beach. I want to, you know, live right. at the beach. I'll cook whatever you need me to cook. Right. Culinary school is where? Asheville. Asheville. Wow. Yes. And you grew up in Rocky Mountain. Grew up in Rocky Mountain. Right. Yeah. And uh, did did uh, now you're you're the current owner of High Cotton um, Barbecue specifically. Uh, was there something in, in Rocky Mountain that inspired you to uh, with the the barbecue was, or growing up there were several good barbecue restaurants in Rocky Mount and um, Josh Bullock's Buck Overton's Bob Melton's all iconic places is that right yes 
And so you've always had a, a, a good flavor for that. Well, and it's an elective in high school in Rocky Mount. Um, <laughs> uh, Bob Melton's was one of the first sit-down barbecue restaurants in North Carolina. It was Is on the Turtle right? River there, yeah. Wow. So that's amazing. Oh, just somebody. I was I was working at oh Elegant Pelican. Um, which is where Pamlico Jacks is, or was now. Um, and the fella closed for the winter, so my friend had uh, jobs lined up for us in Dallas. So we went to Dallas for the winter, and while I was there, I heard that Mike Kelly had bought it and um, uh, was going to change the name to Pamco Jacks. And we had a great relationship, so I gave him a call, and he had already hired someone to do, to do the job. And so when I came back, um, I was approached by the Ammons Dare Corporation, Judd Ammons, to open the restaurants at the Village in Ag's Head, mm. which I did. Um, and uh, Was that on the golf course? The golf course, okay. correct. Yep. Sound and Oceanside. Gotcha. Set up the restaurants for them, wrote the menus, bought and supplied the, gotcha. the, the restaurants. Um, and worked with them for a season, and they brought on a new golf pro, um, and turns out the the guy and I had grown up together and I was told by the Ammons that it was going to be a certain way and then this golf pro decided it was going to be another way and so we, we butted heads a little bit so I decided I was going to go do my own thing. Right. Um, you compromised and you left. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I understand. So anyhow, I started getting my money right and um, looking very hard to find a place and I got a phone call one evening at work and the fella said, uh, I want to meet with you, I have a building. And so I met with this gentleman and it had been, Tortugas uh, had been Gandalf's and there was a fire and it had been rebuilt, um, sat empty for a couple of years and he was the owner of the, of the restaurant. And so we worked out a, a deal and um, in September of 1989 with Hugo coming across the ocean, oh, geez. we signed a lease. <laughs> yeah. did, did that flood the... Uh, the no, it, it went to South Carolina, so it didn't gotcha, even really affect gotcha. us. So, wow. And, and uh, that place is just so cool. I don't know what it is. It's just a low ceiling or something. It just makes you feel, I don't know. You walk into buildings and, and, and they have a feeling. Rundown, the old rundown had that same feeling. Right. Um, uh, Tortugas definitely had it. Um, we were just lucky. At the time, we had, we had no competitors. You had Mike Kelly and you had Awful Arthurs. Is that and, right? And, and us, Sam and Emmys down south. And we were close enough to Juan Cheese that we got a lot of Manny and Juan Cheese guys, the fishermen. Um, John Harris from Kitty Hawk Kites, was his, his hang gliding was really taken off, and his, all his right. instructors sent people to us. So we were just a fun new place. And our menu was different with the Caribbean twist. So right. uh, those things made us popular. Right. Can I tell you, so my wife and I spent a summer down here, our first summer together down here, and we lived at the Breakers, which is about a block <laughs> yeah. away, which amazingly still exists. Yeah. And uh, so we had no air conditioning or telephone or cable TV, and we would walk a block down the Tortugas <laughs> and cool off <laughs> and watch TV yeah. at the bar. <laughs> so that was our yeah. that was our big break from living in the Breakers. But that's excellent. And um, and so you, you you're not torturing yourself enough. You decide to open up the rundown. Yeah, that, that worked out, and I'll, I'll take a moment just to publicly thank the two people that made Tortugas happen with their money, um, was uh, 
in Petersburg, Virginia, uh, Donnie and Jack Lynn, he's a retired dentist, and um, she told me one day, if you ever need to open a restaurant, I'll loan you the money. Wow. And so I went to their house and gave them my business model, and the doctor was not paying any attention to me, just she was. They were watching <laughs> their son, who was on TV, and um, she said, how much money do you need, Will? And I said, $40,000. And she said, okay. She looks around the room and I said, what are you looking for? And she said, my checkbook or pocketbook. And so I saw it in the kitchen. So I went and got it and she started writing me a check for $40,000. Nice. And so John Kirschmeyer, who I originally opened it with as Quagmire's, um, he had 10,000, I had 10,000 and that's what we opened Tortugas for. Nice. Yeah. That first year go, go well? Extremely well. We opened December 18th of 1989. Wow. Finally got our Oxley permit late in the afternoon, and the place was packed. In December? Yes. Wow. Dead of winter. And then we had a snowstorm. I couldn't even get to Rocky Mountain for Christmas, <laughs> so I went to Portsmouth with John for Christmas with his family. And then we had this, like, 14-inch snowstorm, and by 2 o'clock that afternoon, the place was packed. I just knew we had something that was magic. That's it really, awesome. It did well. So originally, we opened Tortugas. It was called Quagmires. Oh, really? And John and I parted ways after the first year, and Quagmire had been a nickname of his. Um, and uh, Leonard Logan, who was our attorney, made us look it up. A Quagmire is a grassy. And he used to flooded. be a restaurant owner. He, he yes, he did. Elizabeth, Elizabeth very nice restaurant. Yeah, nice restaurant. My wife worked there a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but a Quagmire is a grassy, flooded area that yields underfoot. He made us look that up. That you're naming your restaurant after a swamp. <laughs> um, so. We did well for a year, and then when we decided to part ways, I had to change the name, and no one could use the Quagmire name for five years since it was his nickname. Um, so Bob Sanders came on board the following year, and we operated as Quags at Tortugas Live for a little bit, and then made the full conversion to Tortugas. Okay. Um, and uh, John went on to open several restaurants, and after the five-year period, he opened Quagmire's on the oceanfront in right. Kildawa Hills, which was iconic. Right sold some time ago for a condo unit. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. Um, but the transition to Rundown took place with um, Bob Sanders uh, had come in from California where his wife was uh, uh, working and um, they had had their first child, Devin, who was my godson, and they wanted to move back to the East Coast where her family was and Bob's family. and So um, it worked out where he kind of bought in for what John got bought out for and uh, we had a chef at the time named Richard Welch and um, Richard and Bob both had two small children and they were working at a certain pace and I was not married and I wanted a different pace and I said I'm gonna leave you two old married men here I'm gonna go open another restaurant and so um, was able to open Rundown and concentrate on that while they maintained Tortugas. And after a couple of years of operating Rundown, I sold my part of Tortugas to Richard Welch. Right. Yeah. Okay. No regrets there? No. Yeah. So, so you sell the Rundown to Michael Montiel. Right. And uh, that, that transition seemed to go well. And I vaguely remember, you know, you kind of disappeared to, to Maryland for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you came back and next thing I know, you open up a barbecue place. So yeah. so was this part of a master plan or did you always have this no, kind of no, idea? There, there is no master plan. It's <laughs> exactly. um, shoot from the shoot hip. Shoot from the hip. <laughs> um, 
we were approached by the people we leased the building from, the original Rundown Cafe. Right. Um, they were going to do a land lease with um, uh, a food lion at first, and then it became like the CVS. So there was a chance to put a food line right there? Yes. Holy crap. That's who they were talking to at the time. Yeah, yeah. So they needed our acre and a half of the nine acres. Um, and uh, my contact on that was Jim Braithwaite. Uh, we're really good friends. And um, so they had a piece just down the street a little ways, and the Hilton was going to be coming soon and gave us an opportunity to get a brand new building. Um, and so we worked it out where Michael was able to um, uh, work. I maintained the old rundown operationally until the new one was built. I planned to sell it to Michael when it was finished. And so he and one of our friends, Bob Shook, who designed the building, um, were able to stay down there and go through the construction process of the layout and all the minutia that you need in yep. a restaurant to, to get ready. Um, so in 2000, um, we were able to move it, and I sold it to Michael, and I was uh, dating my now wife, and she had taken a job as a linguist with the National Security Agency in Baltimore, Maryland, and so I was back and forth and yeah. uh, working for to cover Michael a couple of days a week, and then I'd uh, go up to Baltimore, and I'd come back every two days, or for two days. Um, did that for a year, and uh, we decided, to get married and we wanted to start a family so her parents live here on the beach and so we decided to move back to the beach and this is what we know how to do and this building was looking available and yeah. so we brokered a deal and it I was, just thought that the one thing that was missing in this area was a good barbecue place gotcha. you know you had Pigman Suey's might have opened but nothing up this far I knew the clientele from being up here with Rundown so it was, it was an easy start, it really was. And did you use all the lessons you had learned, all the you know successes and mistakes you had learned along the way to create a business plan that was just more streamlined? Yes, yes, definitely. And barbecue just suits that way. The, you, you know, you, you have ideas of how the business is gonna go and um, when it works out like you think, um, you're very excited because not only do you have dine in, but you have it's equally as strong a to-go business. Um, barbecue conveys like pizza and yep. everybody wants it and they think of the South as being barbecue driven and so right. they, they got to have their barbecue when they come right. to the South. Well, I'm always amazed when I come here, I sit down and I think it's five minutes later I got food on my table. Yes. It's just amazing. Yes. The efficiency that you guys have here is amazing. Well, we've been to-go only for three years with the COVID stuff and um, we just need more employees to wait tables and then we'll get these dining room back up and running is hopefully that, is that the plan that's the plan we gotcha. just need people so, so to catch up the listeners uh ever since covid hit uh, will has gone into strictly carry out and then we've had issues with employee staffing yeah. on the outer banks so he's been unable to uh, get the uh, dine-in um, restarted so to speak so glad to hear that 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 at least in the plans, it'd be nice to see. I'd, lo I'd love to go back to normal. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, your MO, besides knowing how to run a restaurant and putting out a great product, is your hospitality, you know. And I know you love to work the room. It's got to be killing you not to be able to work the room. Uh, it has sucked the joy out of the job, I can tell you <laughs> sorry that. To, sorry to bring yeah, it up. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah it, 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 it does make the day harder, that's for sure. Right. Because 
you know, you're in the building for 10, 12 hours a day, and the highlight is meeting the folks that come down here from a big world, and there are a lot of interesting people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember when this was owned or, or, uh, by the roadside people. Correct. You yeah. know? It was called was Be- Bessie's. Bessie's. Bessie's Low Country Kitchen and Spirits. Right. And, you know, it's, it's got a great floor plan, and uh, I like roadside. I don't mm-hmm. know why it didn't kick off down here, but it, it didn't catch on at all. It did not. It was a ghost town. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> but this is not duck. You know, right. Duck is an anomaly for restaurants. Is it, how, how do you explain Just, that? Uh, they're captive. They're on foot. They want to eat in duck. And To um, leave is a pain in the butt. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> any restaurant, if you're worth your salt, is, does well in duck. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. You pay for it, but, you know. Right. Fried chicken night. Was that your creation? The fried chicken night came about um, because the Kitty Hawk Pier across the street used to do it. Oh, is that and right? And then when they closed, we just picked it up. Is that right? Yeah. So it was not really an invention by any means. It was more filling a void. Gotcha. Yeah. Supply and demand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what was a great invention was um, Tortugas when we first opened, we did uh, anything in the off season to create uh, a buzz, right. and so um, one of our friends, Bob Shook, his picture is painted. Uh, he's he's on the wall there in Tortugas, squatting in the kitchen, um, and we came up with reptile and amphibian night. Okay, and that that <laughs> went well, um, and so uh, that went for a little bit, and then we got thinking about it, and so we started doing sushi. And sushi night, that became quite a thing. Is that right? on Wednesday nights, yes. Who, was, who's making the sushi? Uh, Richard was rolling sushi with Marsha Klein, a couple other folks. Okay. But the volume of steamed rice that we went through was, it was, it was very busy. <laughs> and actually, one of their most popular food items came as a byproduct of sushi night, which was tuna bites. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. when you clean the tuna, you have parts that you don't use. They're still quite edible. And so I cubed them up, put them in Texas Pete. I was like, i got to come up for a sauce here. So we use jerk spice on the chicken. So I put some honey in there and a little Dijon mustard. And so we have honey jerk dipping sauce with tuna bites. And it was not very long before we were cutting tuna to make tuna bites. Just for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. They have become very popular. Nice. So, uh, and one of my questions was, you know, where do you get inspiration? Is it just from out of thin air, more or less, or just what? Tra- travels. Tra- you, and, you know, yeah. you, you steal ideas. We were the first ones in the area to serve buckets of beer. I saw it in Dallas while I was working oh, yeah. there. Six beers and an opener on ice. Um, and you pay for five, you get one free kind of thing. Um, uh, that was very popular. Are there any local guys, restaurants, or dishes on the Outer Banks where you say, that guy nailed it, or, or he's nailing it right now, or whatever? Any, pretty much anybody operating a restaurant on this beach right now 
is is good. <laughs> right. You know, they they have endured. Uh, yeah. Even with their PPP money, they they have endured. You know, um, yeah. the the standards. You know, for fine dining. Um, you know, we like to go up and look at the water, so we'll go to Blue Point. They do a phenomenal job. Right. Um, all the guys I worked with went off and opened their own places. A lot of them are selling off now. Brian Brown and Craig Erickson at Red Drum. That sold last season. Right. Uh, Michael at Rundown. Um, uh, we enjoy the Thai restaurants. Um, ate with um, Scott recently. He does a good job down south in, in Vigilai up here in the north. Is that right? Yes. What kind of advice would you give a, a restaurant, a new restaurant tour on the Outer Banks? If somebody came on the Outer Banks, wanted to open up a restaurant, would you give them any advice? Don't do it. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a has become a very tough market. Um, it's busy in the summertime. Just the the help situation. It, it everything I've sold has been to the ends. You know, someone on the inside that already knows the Outer Banks. You can look at the people that have moved here and recently bought restaurants and I think good. they will put them right back on the market right good, now. Good 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 observation right yeah. there. You know. So if you know the if you know the lay of the land, you got a chance. Yes. And if if you've worked it, you got a yeah. chance. If you come down here cold, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I get it. you and I had talked earlier um, about the difference between doing business now and when I first opened Tortugas um, or was working for Mike Kelly or anybody back in the in that time frame in the in the mid late 80s early 90s um, this place was the wild wild west you could get away with murder <laughs> right you know and I think a lot of people still have that mentality but keep going but there's too many people watching you now yeah, you know, right. and cameras and stuff um, the it just depended on who you knew um, if you could get it done you know if you could call the right people right uh, if, ticked off somebody at that particular town wherever you were doing business you Good had luck. people come in and count your seats and count your parking spaces <laughs> so you had to you had to call somebody and make sure something was fixed or done right or changed or right. you know, to make them happy again you right know, it's just not like that anymore too much too much oversight now i just thought of something is is there a place is there a location or is there a food style that is untapped right now, or is maybe a little running at below potential. Either it's, either someplace on the Outer Banks that's like that place needs a restaurant, or is there a food source or food type? Right. It's since COVID, um, and we have noticed this, and some of the folks have transitioned into it too. Is just they have the 14 people in the house; they don't want to come out. So anybody that's putting out bulk food that they can take back to their house and eat in the comfort of their home because grandma has got you know some medical issue where she can't come out and they still want to eat at home or they have chefs on call um uh, in one of my travels uh, there was a, a store called eatsies and they had prepared meals um and almost like coastal provisions used to do up here in the southern shores on a much smaller scale this this place was huge like a um, catering kind of thing no you walk in and everything's cooked already and you get it cold so they had meatloaf and mashed potatoes gotcha. and pork loin and crab cakes and salmon and four gotcha. kinds of pastas and ten salads and you just walked around it was just really made for 
young couples that didn't have time to cook and all that right. is what it looked like to me. And with a small grocery store on the outside, as you walked around the room, and the inside was all prepared meals. Um, I think that in bulk would do extremely well down here. I think with the loss of a lot of our breakfast places, anybody that serves breakfast is stacked up as you ride down yeah. the road. The stack of pies, there's nowhere to eat breakfast and duck, like one biscuit place. Um, I've always been intrigued by uh, Sunrise Biscuit in Chapel Hill, and I think somebody could do a, a biscuit place with drive through only. And I was saying the exact same thing. I was telling my daughter, I said, if somebody could replicate the biscuits and porn at Helen's, for a drive through yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be parked around the block. They would be. Yeah. And yeah. that's what they do there in Chapel Hill. They get that's on right. the highway, the cops direct people. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that's an easy food, yeah. easy to keep your food cost, minimal staffing. Yeah. yeah. Eggs and biscuits, bacon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can get ahead. Yep. Doesn't take much. How would you compare restaurant businesses on the Outer Banks to an urban area, whether it's DC, Raleigh, or Baltimore, or whatever? Well, really it's the fact that they have the population densities that we don't have they have them for 12 months we have them for three it's it's believe me it's growing you know where last year was the summer that wouldn't end you know august and september oh were the same yeah. yeah um and and then their ability to have more help whether it's a college town you've just got more more hands yeah yeah uh the demand is um is, is it fluctuates just like they go on vacation in the summertime, but it's not near the fluctuation that we have yeah. um, July versus November. Right, yeah. right. Do you look at? Do you ever look at your peak season and like a Baltimore peak season and just say they have no idea? <laughs> we, we we don't. You know, I try not to compare, but we do business with people who are coming out of Virginia Beach and Richmond. Um, whether it's food vendors or credit card companies, and we start comparing our numbers to theirs. And when they see what we do in the month of July or August, they're like, these people would die up there if they knew the kind of numbers you did, Is that the, right? the volume that we do compared yeah. to what they do. Yeah, that's kind of my point, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be a little shocking. It's, it, it is. And it's unsustainable. It you is. Know? <laughs> There's no yeah. way you could do it for 12 months. No. No, well, the help all leaves after three. So, yeah. <laughs> We're all done after three. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, yes, it's, it's, you you couldn't do 12 months of this, I don't think. No, 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 you couldn't. Um, I tell you, I've always admired uh, your hospitality here. I've always admired your, your, your giving back to the community. I, I, I see you, you know, helping out organizations around mm -hmm. town. It's great. Um, you know, as we wrap things up, you want to talk a little bit about High Cotton a little bit? Tell me, tell me what you got going on at High Cotton right now. Well, I moved here and I learned the trade on Mike Kelly's nickel. Um, we're still friends and um, I, I respect him as a businessman for sure. He knew that to support the community and they would support you. Right. Um, I had one of his sweet potato country ham biscuits, which are iconic, um, the <laughs> other night at the Dairy Education Foundation meeting um, that they catered. Um, you, you pick your people that are supporting your children and your business um, and your Outer Banks uh, community, and you give as much as you can give, um, and they come back and help you. Um, 
and, it, and it's been a, a good 20-year run we've been here. That's amazing, isn't it? I know. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and the thing that makes barbecue um, good is consistency. So you're not going to come in here and see octopus on the menu. You're <laughs> going to come in here and get your barbecue and your fried chicken and your ribs and your brisket and your good side dishes. Right. That's what you're going to get Excellent. consistently. Excellent. And you're open how many days a week? We're five days a week right now. Closed on Sunday and Monday, so we're here from 11 to 8. Gotcha. 11 to 8, uh, Tuesday through Saturday? Correct. And are you shutting down for the winter? We do. We close the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and we come back um, usually by Valentine's in February. Gotcha. Okay. And, of course, they can always go to highcotton.com? Highcottonbbq.com. Yes. Got it. Highcottonbbq.com. And that'll give you all the information, plus the menus and all that other good stuff. Correct. Will, thanks for Thank joining you, me John. today. Appreciate it. Good time. Yes, sir. So, um, Tortugas, we were all young and new to the business and um, tight, good friends, go to the beach together. Um, so, as a, um, as a little gift, uh, we'd either go offshore fishing or we'd rent the sailboat over the sound and have a little party. Um, so, we were on an offshore fishing trip and one of the fellows, um, everybody had been drinking, but one of the guys, John Peake, brought his girlfriend, and uh, she was up on the bridge, and we were coming in. The captain went below to go to sleep as we were coming in. It a great <laughs> day of fishing. And um, uh, Troy Bryant and Chris Deegan were on the bow of the boat wrestling. <laughs> and um, uh, there's no railing. You're running wide open, coming back in. And um, Chris knew that... Troy was crazy enough to throw him over the side, so Chris, better part of Valor, he came to the back of the boat. And so Troy being Troy, and everybody had been drinking a little bit, he took all his clothes off, and he threw them <laughs> in, the, in the hatch and crawled out to the very front of the boat, again, full throttle, going through the ocean, yeah. and laid like a bow sprint. <laughs> and he had a cropped haircut, he worked out, and you know, he's very fit, Unbeknownst to him, John's girlfriend took pictures with a 35 millimeter <laughs> camera, and she came to me after the fishing trip, and she said, "I got something to show you." And they were very tasteful pictures, but they were pictures of Troy naked on the bow of the boat. Right. And so I had them blown up, matted, and framed, <laughs> and hung in the dining room for his next bar shift. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yes, and that picture is now in the ladies' room. Oh, really? A smaller version is still. It Tortugas. And so I was in there for dinner the other night with my daughter, and there was a tourist couple sitting next to us, and the lady went to the bathroom, and we had been talking to them. The lady came out just laughing about this picture to her husband, and she said, do y'all know about that? And my daughter said, oh, that's Troy. And she's like, please tell me what that was uh, all about. You know, it's like, that was a fun day. <laughs> Always good to celebrate after a busy season. Yes. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Will Thorpe of High Cotton Barbecue. If you like that podcast, feel free to leave me a, a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, please form a single file line behind my wife and kids. You will not be alone. I guarantee it. Until next time, have a good one.